Hello, welcome to Chaotic Academia, a podcast about following all of my scholarly pursuits in an informal, chaotic, messy way. I basically talk about things that are interesting to me, things that I want to learn, or things that I've learned and want to share with you. Um, And I kind of talk about school, talk about life, like, I don't know, it's just a place for me to talk (laughs) about my life and all the things that I'm learning. It is with me your favorite podcast host, your best friend, um, your designated pimple popper, Alina. And actually, I'm not your designated pimple popper <laughs> um, <laughs> because that's gross and I will not pop your pimples. Got it? <laughs> okay, cool. Today's episode is about book. No. <laughs> Today's episode is about libraries. And I don't know why I'm on such like a weird... Why did I breathe in so much just now? A weird literary theme? I'm not trying to. Um, <laughs> but it just makes sense that an academic podcast, a loosely academic podcast, would have something to do with books. Or am I right? It only makes sense. So, um, today's about libraries. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while. I did research on it, and now my internet won't come. When I'm recording this. On my computer, but I don't need the internet to record. However, <laughs> I will need the internet to access all of my information that I found because I use Notion. And um, also to upload the audio onto Anchor and so I can publish it for you in four hours, four and a half hours. I'm recording this um, Monday night, 9-20-21. It is 7.27 p.m. Tonight is the full moon and it's the harvest moon. And basically, it's really positive for you. Just full of love and luck and like positive things. Also, it's a child's moon. It's supposed to be really awesome. So please go manifest your life um, tonight. Manifest the things that you want. What are the things that I want to manifest? Okay, I want to manifest my dream job being a professor that that is it like that is truly like my only path I remember I actually got into this MLM interview this happens to me a lot um well twice but two times is too many you know um (laughs) two times is two times too many anyway well some dude on LinkedIn he was like presented like a bit like a an opportunity to me and the way he worded it at first, I was like, eh, that's weird. But I also didn't think that English was his first language. I thought that, whatever. I was like, sure. He was like, would you be interested in, like, a Zoom meeting to talk about, like, a mentorship opportunity? Um, and I was like, sure. He's like, my, my entrepreneurial team, we're, we're, we're onboarding. And I just want to know if you want to, if you want to have a mentor. And I was like, mm, I will consider it. Please tell me more. He didn't tell me more. This is kind of irrelevant ish um but when am I ever relevant on this podcast if you're new here just FYI I go on tangents everything is messy I breathe really loudly and I'm trying to be better about it and um I'm frequently interrupted (laughs) and sometimes I laugh really hard (laughs) at nothing um anyway so do 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 I I you know I'm gonna pull up LinkedIn right fucking now um, ooh, I look at my timer. I have something in the oven. Why did I record? I don't know. Okay, okay, so on LinkedIn, we had mutual connections. Like, we had people in common. So I was like, oh, he's fine. Um, he said, hi, it's good to connect with you here. I've noticed your, I noticed your passion for leadership and combining research with social justice. I'm doing some exciting things. I'm taking advantage of current online trends and putting together assets that generate ongoing sustainable income, blah, blah, blah. You know, self-motivated individuals we want um do you want to like is there if there is potential opportunity for mentorship would you want that um and I was like he said would you be open-minded to learn more about I said thanks for reaching out I'm curious could you share more info with me he says we do have websites and additional materials we'd love to share uh but we'd like to make it available to potential partners um can we do like a zoom call and I was like sure whatever um so I'm not going to say no to like a potential good networking opportunity. So we get on there and he's like, and he was like, this opportunity is just a high level overview to talk about what I do. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, oh, I just got a text message. 
The Supreme Court just announced that they will hear Mississippi's case to overturn Roe v. Wade later this year. What the fuck? <sighs> fuck. Okay. Anyway, back to my potential MLM scam that I was almost involved in. Not really. Actually, opted out of text messages for something I did want text messages from. So that's super fun. Um, okay, so we met. Um, we had our Zoom call thingy, and it truly started off. Oh, fuck! Tonight's the Harry Styles concert, and I'm missing it. <sighs> I'm over it. I've had a long day. I've had a long day. Okay, this has gone so off track. You guys, if you've been following me for a while, you know this is how things go. Um, okay, focus. Where's my, f the QB? I want my cube so I can like have some, I'll play with my rubber, nope. <sighs> I have my cube. We're good. <laughs> we're fine now. Anywho, anywho. Um, so we're in a Zoom call and he was like, this is a high level overview, um, of what I do. Just to get to, it's just like a quick little chit chat to get to know each other to see if we're a good fit. And I was like, okay, Sure. And, which is, I, like, I should not have done this. Not that it was, like, there wasn't any harm in it, you know? Um, but, so he's, like, so what's your story? <laughs> and so I, like, gave him sort of, like, a half-assed, I gave him part of a story. I didn't, like, really get into a ton of details about my life. Because, like, he doesn't need to know my personal life, you know? <laughs> he doesn't need to know my personal life. And so then, um, he's, like, so what's, and so I told him about my life and how I've always loved school and I want to be an academic, I want to be a scholar, like, end goal for me is to be a professor. And then he asked me what my end goal was. And I said, as I previously mentioned, to be a professor. And then he said, and then what? You just be a professor for the rest of your life? And I was like, yes. <laughs> as I previously stated, that is what I want to do. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is what I'm manifesting. That's right. <laughs> I'm manifesting being a professor. It's in the cards for me. That It is the only thing in the cards for me. Also, I want to get tarot cards. Um... I was shopping a little bit today for them. Okay. Did you do? Skirt back into where I need to be. <laughs> okay. So, and like he was like, because I was talking about how like I want to do stuff that's like good for people and like being professor really just like it checks all the boxes that I want and it fulfills me and like it's the only thing I could I could picture myself doing. I can't I can't picture myself doing any other job at all whatsoever. Um you know for the like any other career path and he was like I see that you really want to like make a difference in your communities um and I was like yeah and he was like would you ever consider and he and then he's like so you just be a professor and I was like yes um and then he was like he's like would you consider business and I was like maybe I would only consider business if the products or services that were selling I knew were needed to the world like needed they were necessary for the world they were ethically sourced and from fair like there's no exploitation of labor. Everything is environmentally friendly and sustainable and ethical. And he goes, hmm, I see you like to live out your principles. Like, no shit. Of course I like to live my principles. Do you not? Do you just live a lie? But what I, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and then, um, and he, and I was, and so I was like, I've considered business before. Like, I, I guess I could say I've sort of considered business. And if I were to do business, like it would have to have these principles. Like it has to be this or else I'm not doing it. I, and he was kind of like off put by that. I was kind of aggressive in this video chat, to be honest. Cause he kept like asking weird questions. Like I would say something and then he would ask a question that I already very obviously answered. And I have to be like, as previously stated, as previously mentioned, as previously blah 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 and then um and I was like okay we've been so so much talking about me and what I want to do and what I want to be what do you like what do you do <laughs> and he's like 
so this is just a high like a high level overview like the details are later it's part of the process like and we don't really pull people through the process and we know so like they're committed and it's really just like okay but like like he didn't he wouldn't I was like can you tell me what industry he wouldn't tell me the name of the business like the company he wouldn't even tell me the industry he expected me to move forward in their process without telling me the industry or the business name or like what his he was like and like he's like as I mentioned like my team you know we're bringing on a few more people I he's like it's actually not just me like I'm part of like a much bigger team like a bigger company like there's lots of us but I have uh, my own team and I was like hmm hmm and then he's like you know my team we're looking for people he's like um he said something he was like about like ambition and people who want to go after their goals and who are self-motivated and like you know they want to take charge of themselves and their finances he's like does that sound like good things to you like do you agree with those and I was like yeah you just named a bunch of positive shit of course I agree everyone would agree and then at the beginning at the beginning he said hey at any point like be honest like if we're not meshing say something and I and I had mentioned I said hey to be upfront, you asked for honesty um we're 35 minutes into this phone call I don't know what you do I don't know the name of your company. I don't know the name of your business. This is not very transparent. Um, I don't know like the who or the what. And I'm not interested in pursuing a business. He is because like, I was like, this is a business call. So let's get down to it. I yes, I literally said that line. First of all, fucking awesome. Um, We're going to make this the mess of the week, even though this happened two weeks ago, because I've already taken up so much fucking time on this particular story that has nothing to do with today's episode. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to cut it though. You have to hear this. Um, and I was like, I don't think that we can continue to like, I, I don't think this is going to work out. And he was like, okay, I can see that like this process requires a little bit of ba- uh, quite a bit of patience. Um, and you're just not there yet. And I was like, no, oh, patient, pa- you want me to be patient? I'm supposed to be entering a business opportunity without knowing the company, without knowing the position, without knowing the industry. Absolutely the fuck not. I didn't say that. However, that's what I was thinking the whole fucking time. He's like, okay, we can make a graceful exit, you know, from this conversation. And I was like, what does that even mean? He's like, she kept repeating, oh, we can make a graceful exit. We can make a graceful exit. What? Shut the, shut the fuck up right now. I swear to God. <laughs> shut the fuck up. So... That is indeed what happened. It was so much fun. Um, but it is over now and we are all good. Also, I keep getting emails from the University of Pennsylvania and I'm actually considering it now. So that's very fun. They, I never even signed up for their emails. So this is kind of cool. Alrighty. So libraries. <laughs> I think things are loading. Actually, that's kind of nice stalling. So I want to talk about libraries, not just because. Actually, I'm going to put in my announcements, my housekeeping things. You know, I just spent the past 10 minutes talking about um, something else. So I want libraries for a number of reasons. One, I love them. I think they are a highly underappreciated resource. Like, I love libraries. And when was the last time you checked out a book? Have you noticed that libraries are actually, like, getting rid of books? Like, it seems like the shelves are just emptying and emptying. But, okay. So if you haven't found heard yet... I'm doing Alina's book club. So every month, me and my bean pod, that's you, my audience, we're going to read a book together. Uh, at the beginning of the month, I'm going to announce the book. I might do it like, or like a couple weeks before the beginning of the month. So that way you have time to order it or check it out from the library um, or borrow it or whatever. So, um, so before the month or at the beginning of the month, somewhere in there, um, I'm going to announce the title of a book whatever book is I'm I'm choosing the book this is my book club okay um (laughs) but anyway so then you're gonna read the book I'm gonna read the book the last episode of every month is gonna be about that book so for October I have yet to announce the October book but I'm gonna do it right here right now on this podcast actually if you are ready to listen so Alina's book club October book of the month the very first book we are going to be reading the very first book we're going to be reading, the month of October, 
is going to be called It's All We Can Save. And it's edited by Katherine Wilkinson and Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson. All We Can Save is an anthology um, from women all about saving the environment. And I'm so, so psyched for it. I'm so psyched for that episode. I have so much stuff to tell you about, about the All We Can Save project and initiative. Um, I'm super psyched for it. Like, it's going to be awesome. So I want you all to read it. If you're involved, if you are interested or want to be involved in environmental justice or climate change, advocacy and um, activism at all, like, read this book, truly. So, go check out your local library. See if you can find it there. And my body just made a gross noise because I did have a Whopper today. Impossible Whopper, of course. Okay. Boy, I have 15 minutes left on my thingy in the oven. Okay. <laughs> so, go to your library and check it out. I, I love libraries. Like, they're so, so cool. And I feel like they're so underutilized for the great resource that they are. There are so many, like, we buy so many books that we read once and send our shelves. I'm so guilty. I have so many books, like an ungodly amount of books. And, some, and I do reread a lot of them. Like, The Hunger Games, I've reread multiple times. Percy Jackson, I've reread. Like, you know, some books I love so much that I just have to keep them. But other books I don't need to do that for. Like, there are so many books I do not need to do that for. I got to turn on my lights, getting dark. Um, so go to your library. Like, and also there's so many things to learn. Like, so this is obviously like my scholarly podcast about how I want to learn things and stuff. Libraries are such a great resource for learning and like access, having access to knowledge. There are so many awesome books at my university's library that I never read and never really considered until my senior year. Like, I remember some senior year, I spent an ungodly amount of time in the library just because like I couldn't focus at my apartment. Like, I was the only college student in my apartment and my two roommates weren't and I just it wasn't a very scholarly environment which is fine like truly I was a minority in that area um and so (laughs) I just never could focus and do homework at my apartment and so I would always be in the library and I would I do the Pomodoro method and so on my five minute breaks I would get and I'd walk around through the shelves and I would be reading the spines and I'd be like, oh my God, that sounds so cool. Like these books sound so interesting. I want, I want to learn about this. I want to, I want to do more with it. And I was like, I could have been writing papers using these resources. Like I could have been using these resources so much more throughout my college career. And I didn't like, and it was so, there are so many cool things to explore. Like what the fuck? Not to mention libraries are free and open to the public so they can help people access information and internet that might not otherwise be available. Like, they're great spaces for community and helping fight the digital divide, helping low-income people and people who just have a hard time accessing computers, Wi-Fi, books to read. Like, it is so, so good for humans to have, for communities to have libraries. I loved studying at my university library, too, for the whole years. Like, I just think libraries are awesome, studious places. Um... And then I graduated and now I spend time at my local library, which I went to all the time as a kid. And now I just feel sad. Like, I feel like it's less pop and less happening. When I was a kid, we had all sorts of pro. Granted, we're still coming off COVID-19. Um, we're still in COVID-19. We're not coming off of it ever. Um, <laughs> but, like, I would go to the library all the time. And there was always an event. There was always a program. Not to mention, like, when I go to my library, they have so many resources to give you for other things like so many community resources for anything you're struggling with like you can find so much there it is just so so cool it's like a very peaceful and collective space and like if they didn't already exist in today's political landscape they'd never make it because it'd be seen as such like a communist socialist thing it's like how dare we take public funding and use it for public good you know they're literally we're taking our public money our money that public money from taxes and from the state and like or private donors a lot of private donors donate to the library but like we're taking money and putting it into something that costs zero dollars for people to access access the internet and books and knowledge for free for free like <laughs> dude if they weren't already here they'd never never make it so, I 
I just love them. And I think we need to talk about them and kind of talk about where they began, how they got started. Um, because they're ancient, dude. Ancient. So, sorry, my internet is, is coming back, but it's super slow and I forgot. Okay. Oh, that's not what I wanted. Okay. So, they're old as shit. How old as shit, you may say? Old. So, like, so I did research, um, again, loose research. So I used Britannica, um, Cyclopedia, Wikipedia, um, cite this for me. And then a couple university websites, so I and some scholarly journals. So like just like, or some scholar not scholarly journals, but um scholarly things, but they're not from journals. Just because I don't think I had the brain capacity at the moment. My brain is fried for my long days. Okay. However, loose research, informal, not scholarly articles. But if you want, I can find some for you. Um, uh, but like I have, I have stuff from like the Ohio State University on here you know like stuff that wouldn't like you couldn't exactly write a school paper on it however it does it does good enough for me explaining this to you I don't I didn't know this so I doubt that you know this but maybe okay so really like in the beginning (laughs) there was no real difference between like a record room slash an archive and libraries and so you can like think that libraries are basically as old as records are so like as old as like writing is, you know, and like holding on to records. And people can like trace re- like record rooms to like Babylonian times. Like from the th- first half of the third millennium and then so on forward. Like just ancient civilizations. Um like the Mesopotamians and Mesopotamians. Mesopotamians. Huh. And Egyptians, they they developed the first forms of writing and the scribes began creating archives of clay tablets that recorded inventory and transactions. So like those are our great like old ancient libraries. Um and so there's like libraries all over, like East Eastern world, Western part of the world, like all of it. However, in the eastern part of the world, so like in China, many collections got destroyed. Um like, when rulers replaced the previous... So, like, every dynasty change, they would destroy the records of the previous one to kind of, like, erase the, to be like erase them and be like, history starts with my dynasty kind of thing. It was common in China until the Han dynasty. Um, which is super, super cool. But, like... <laughs> and, and, of course, like, a lot of records... Um, and collections would get destroyed during wars all over the world, not just in China, but like all over the world, like wars would get things destroyed. People, I mean, of course, of course, um, clashes, violence, that kind of thing. I mean, that's what destroyed the library of Alexandria, which I have some cool facts about cause I, I had heard of it, but I hadn't really known much. So, um, we have some great, great, um, like ancient libraries so we've mentioned like ancient civilizations so our the great ancient libraries like some of the best just these they're iconic they're historical they are they're the greats they're the greats so the great ancient libraries the library of alexandria and the chinese imperial libraries during the han dynasty um which was kind of fun fact that the chinese librarian lu Qin. I don't, I'm not good at Chinese and Mandarin. I tried to take a little bit of Mandarin, but I'm still not that good. I'm so sorry. Basically, they cre- he created the first library classification and formal catalog system. So cool. So, blah, 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 history, blah, blah, blah. So, at the fall of the, Ro- fall of the Roman Empire, after that, religious institutions took over the function and, of government and libraries. So, in Western Europe, Catholic monks collected and created written texts, and monasteries made up the main libraries, which is why you see a lot of history being from, from such a Christian perspective. Because um, that's what we had, you know, like they just kind of controlled it. And I remember learning in school, you know, that 
basically you could only you only learn to read or write if you were like a clergyman or maybe like a noble or in some sort of like royal position um position of leadership so aristocracy and clergy basically were the ones who could read and write so they kind of got to control history um anyways continuing on with the library thing though so and then in muslim countries imams and other scholars created collections of written texts and the early libraries were created to house religious texts and more like not just religious texts but also like early developments in astronomy and math like because the arabic countries and um arab people have contributed a lot to math and astronomy and like just so much once the renaissance enlightenment started to spread non-religious uh libraries gained popularity and so now libraries you know not just being a place for religious holy texts and for monks and like not just being in monasteries now we have libraries becoming institutional meeting places for scholars where they would collect um and create like they would write all these written texts on math and religion and philosophy and science and then once we had the invention of the gutenberg printing press if y'all remember history in high school now libraries started to have more modern texts and like and in addition to the ancient ones and so it becomes a lot more of like what we think of now the only problem was the only problem of course of course they still weren't accessible to everyone open only to card holders and usually from like grand academic institutions um like it was still elitist like it wasn't like like now today where it's open to to the common folk like to everyone that just wasn't a thing then (laughs) you and me regular joes like we didn't we didn't get access you know (laughs) Um, my microphone like cut out for like a couple seconds, so hope you enjoyed my dead silence. Um, so by the 1800s, there were libraries across the United States and Europe that were open to the public, but not public libraries in the same sense that they are today. Um, and so while large university libraries, like, so you had large university libraries and privately owned libraries, and they allowed individuals from outside the institution to visit. But they ha- people had to, like, pay for their entry. Um, but it was not until the late 1800s and early 1900s, so, like, within the past 200 years, that the first true public libraries, ones that are, like, funded by public taxes, therefore open to everyone, began to open. Like, and that's this is not in place today. Um, most universities, including, like, private universities, private schools, who receive federal funding um and municipal like common like city libraries are free and open to the public um which is so so cool i just i love that and i do know that like andrew carnegie i learned that it's not carnegie it's carnegie (laughs) he actually donated a shit ton of money into libraries um he was like a huge advocate for libraries um and so like there's a ton of money he put like an ungodly amount of money. I'm going to find how much money for you, but I'm not going to do it until after the break. Take a break first, and then I'll tell you about Andrew Carnegie, the amount of money he put into libraries, and then I want to talk about the library of um, Alexandria, because that one, there's some drama. There's a tea. There's tea in there. Okay. Enjoy the sound of my voice recording an ad. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I Okay. So Carnegie makes feelings about the dude. Whatever. We can talk about him another time. However, he was one of the biggest like he had the huge, huge industry lead in steel, I believe. Um but basically he was like Rags to Rich was like the epitome of what people think is the American dream. Just like absolute like one percent basically he's like a one percenter (laughs) but between 1886 and 1919 he donated more than 40 million dollars paid like 40 million dollars for 1670 new library buildings in communities all across the u.s like all across the u.s and a lot of these libraries still exist other um 
as civic centers, still as libraries, or maybe a museum, office, restaurants, something. Um, and they were like a huge, like he was such, such a huge proponent for libraries. Truly, um, his, the, the Carnegie website, so like the whatever, said that he is often referred to as the patron saint of libraries. Um, because he was like dedicated to making free public libraries. Um, and this was because he he realized that like access to knowledge that anyone could be successful just kind of like anyone can do it. like if you really put your mind to it anyone can do it but at least he like gave them resources you know um like <laughs> it's wild and so then over the past century alone so we had that from eight, 1886 to 1919 but over the, like the last century alone the Carnegie Corporation of New York it's like so not Carnegie himself, but like the corporation, um, built on Carnegie's vision and they've helped fund like more than 200 or not 2,500 libraries worldwide. So like a huge, huge amount, just like crazy amount of library. Okay. So there's a little like fun Carnegie tidbit, but what I want to talk about was the hot gas of the library of Alexandria. And I was so interested because I've heard of it before. Okay. Like I've heard of the Library of Ang because it's one of, it's one of the greats, you know. It is, and so I've heard about it, and I was like, "Huh," but it. I also knew that it had burned down. Um, and what's interesting is that <laughs> no one really knows why. There's like a like a, a couple theories out there. Um, but anyway, so Alexandria was this town, and it was founded in Egypt by Alexander the Great. Um. And his successor founded the Museum of Alexandria. And the museum was a place of study, which included lecture areas, gardens, zoo, shrines, and the library itself. Like, the library itself. Um, there are estimates that at, like, one point, the Library of Alexandria held over half a million documents from Greece, Persia, Egypt, India, like, many, many, many other places, like, just like it was a house to so many different documents and so many resources and over 100 scholars lived at that museum full time like they lived there so that way they could write lecture research translate and copy documents like it was <laughs> insane right but it burned down and it is like one of the great tragedies like of just scholarship and just we it's such a loss like truly such a loss I mean thousands imagine if we had like been able to keep those documents for thousands of years <laughs> whatever you know like the knowledge that was lost the information that was lost devastating blow just absolutely devastating so <laughs> there are a few things going on okay so the first person that was blamed for the like here's theory number here's one of the theories they blamed Julius Caesar, <laughs> of course, because in 48 BC, um, Caesar was like pursuing Pompey into Egypt, but he was cut off like suddenly by this f Egyptian fleet and it. He was cut off at Alexandria. And so Caesar being outnumbered and in enemy territory, according to the Ohio State University, <laughs> He basically was like, set all the ships in the harbor on fire. Set them all on fire. Like, that was his order. He was like, set all the ships on fire. And then this fire, doing, doing what fire spread does, it spreads and destroyed the Egyptian fleet. But it also burned down, like, it burned down the part of the city. Not the whole city. But, like, it burned down the section of the city. And it was the section that the library was in. So, poopy. You know, come on, Caesar. Someone should stab him. Oh, wait. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, The more popular um, story of the library's destruction. And this is because of Edward Gibbons' The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Um, this is kind of like a complicated story, but we got this. So, Theophilus was the patriarch of Alexandria from... 1385 to 4, 412 
A.D. 412, Elena DeVoe. No. Um, 412, A.D. And so he, like... So there was this daughter branch of the library called the Temple of Serapis. And during the time that Theopolis was reigning, um, that that daughter branch, the Temple of Serapis, was converted into a Christian tur- church. And likely many of the documents that that's when they were like destroyed and then after uh theophilus's death cyril who was his nephew became the patriarch and then basically like a bunch of riots broke out um because alexander was just like a place known for violence and fighting and they fought often it was a place where like pagan christian andrews people all lived and like they fought a lot like it was just a lot of like fighting there just a lot of violence um and so, all these riots broke out when Hierax, who was a Christian monk, he was killed publicly by the Order of Orestes, the city perfect. Not sure what that means, but that is what the Ohio State University said. But basically, Orest- Orestes was said to be under the influence of Hypatia. This is also a quote. <laughs> Basically, Hypatia, which she was played by Lisa Kudrow in The Good Place Season 4. If you watch The Good Place, you know that Chidi was flipping out over her. So she was a philosopher, um, a female philosopher, and a lot, and like, was like considered to be, like, she was the daughter of like the last member um, of the Library of Alexandria. But, like, some historians and some people consider that Hypatia was the last head librarian, like, herself. They consider her to be the last one. Anyway. So, like, she supposedly influenced Orestes, who ordered the public killing of Hierax, a Christian monk. So, after the death of that monk, a huge group of Jews who had helped instigate his... Who helped, like, bring on the killing of the monk lured more Christians into the street at night by... So, a group of Jews lured Christians into the street, claiming that the church was on fire. When the Christians, like, ran out to check on the fire, a huge, large mob of Jewish people, like, killed them. And there was this, like, just absolute chaos, just disaster. The Christians fought back. There was retaliation against both Jews and pagans, and one of those was Hypatia, actually. And the story varies slightly, you know, kind of like who says who it, but... Um, but supposedly she was taken by the Christians and then dragged all through the streets and murdered. And during that, all that fighting on the rides, that's how the library burned down. So, or was destroyed anyway. Okay. And then the last one, it's basically based in Islamophobia. Like the last theory is just some dude being an ass. Like, um, just being an ass. Okay, okay. So this last one. <sighs> so basically, this last person who got blamed is Caliph Omar, a Muslim person. Um. So in six forty, so like literally forever. I think like it's two thousand twenty-one. So six forty A.D. Like mm, a lot of years ago. <laughs> Um, the Muslims took the city of Alexandria, um, and so, like, they learned about this awesome library with all the knowledge, um, just, like, a bunch of worldly knowledge, just everything, you know, all the knowledge in the world. Um, the Caliph Omar, who was a, like, a, a general, he, like, or no, never mind, he wasn't the general, the general who conquered the one who actually conquered the city asked Omar for instructions, like what to do. Um, and then there's this like quote, like there's literally a quote, um, from Caliph saying that the library, what it will have in there will either contradict the Quran in which case they are hearsay or they will agree with it. So are superfluous. So like basically they, these Muslims destroyed the text using this Tinder for bathhouses in the city, However, the quote wasn't really, 
like written down until 300 years after the fact so like that doesn't make any sense and the facts that like blamed Omar were written by um a Christian bishop um Gregory Barr Habris Mm. who basically like spent a lot of time like writing and Islamophobic shit just saying like Muslim atrocities but and now there's such little historical documentation for it's like just bullshit you know um so those were like the theories personally <laughs> person I, I the popular one um with Theophilus and Cyril and the public killing of the Christian monk is interesting to me um I don't know and this is just what I found granted there's like a lot more information out there um I did like a very general overview there's a lot more information like about the early libraries too um like the earliest forms of writing all the archives the clay tablets and the cuneiform script um all the like the tablets that kind of stuff um basically the beginning of history because they say so history what we think of history is starts with the like written history anything before written history is considered prehistory which doesn't make sense unless you study like unless you know this you know like if you've never learned this in your history courses, then you'd be like, that's fucking dumb. But if you learn it in your history courses, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's just what, how it is. So, like, there's, like, tons of stuff. Like, truly, like, 30,000 clay tablets um, were discovered that, like, helped give... That was, like, awesome resource to, like, help modern people learn about Mesopotamian... Mesopotamian... It always sounds wrong because it, it sounds like I'm going to say potato. Whatever. Mesopotamian, like, books and religion and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's just, there's a lot on it, which is really, really, really cool. Um, There's a lot about, like, the classical period with um, Persia and, like, University of Chicago. They, like, excavated a collection of clay tablets um, that had a bunch of recordings and like records with data from the Acme Achaemenid Empire I really I cannot pronounce these things I'm not a historian um actually history is kind of like the most boring like fun fact <laughs> social studies was my least favorite course in school I loved all my classes I, I mean I truly did I loved all my classes but if I had to rank my favorites Social studies was always at the bottom. History was always at the bottom. Um, which is really weird because I now have a bachelor's degree in political science. <laughs> um, which is like a social studies. Like you learn government, econ, and your social studies. Whatever. Um, there's just there's a lot out there which is so, so cool. Um, but I told you what I thought was super interesting. There's a lot about like the Islamic Golden Age. Because um, there was like... they There was... They really wanted to preserve the Quran. Um, so they had a lot of Muslim collections of writings and um, mosques incorporated libraries. Like, it is so cool to see how pervasive libraries have been in society for thousands of years. Um, just centuries and centuries and millennia. And um, But I kind of want to talk about libraries now. Um, and so... We have our current libraries, which, like I mentioned, it seems like they're dying. But COVID-19 really allowed them to, like, pull through in, like, a really, really awesome way. So a lot of libraries are trying to keep up with the modern age. And so they have online databases. Awesome. Like, you can read ebooks from the library. You can borrow ebooks from the library. There are signs all over my library about it. Um... They've really tried to keep up with technology and electronic reading and electronic liter like um, literature. And so if you are like, I don't like reading paper books, there's still something for you. They provide so much. Um, and they, like in the COVID-19 pandemic, did so much. So I actually have um, this really cool. So every year. The American Libraries Association releases State of America's Libraries special, like, a report. Um, and I have the 2021 State of America's Libraries special report, so it's COVID-19. 
And what I really love, so um, in the introduction, this is from the president of the ALA, so the American Libraries Association. In 2020, libraries of all types stepped up to meet the needs of their communities as they responded to the impacts of COVID-19. Blah, 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 blah. They were at the center of some of our nation's most consequential work, including supporting accurate counts in the U.S. Census, fighting political disinformation, and facilitating free and fair elections. Libraries also extended necessary lifelines to community members facing job losses, healthcare crises, and remote work and learning during an unprecedented and uncertain time. As we assess the state of America's libraries, we find 2020 was a year when library professionals answered the call to serve amid multiple emergencies and a year when library workers again proved to be essential first restorers or second responders. Whoa! Okay. (laughs) I love that. Like, so much credit and so much goes to our people on the front line and our first responders and the people out there who are like tackling the COVID pandemic head on and like but there's so much there's I don't want to say but I'm gonna say in addition to because I know there's no but there's no like contrary to that like they are so so important and so crucial however no again not however (laughs) in addition this idea of like second responders or first restorers so important like we need to pick up the pieces and reassemble our societies and reassemble families and human beings and try to like process all this and deal with it in such in 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 so many different ways and I think that there's a lot of social and personal and individual work that needs to be done and I love it like it is so cool um I, I love it. Like, <laughs> to think of these second responders, now these people who are kind of like going around having to pick up the pieces and kind of put things back together, you know? It's like, we had a jigsaw puzzle and we were working on it and COVID-19 was a, like a toddler who hates puzzles and then took the puzzle you're working on and then just like ripped it all up and threw it to the ground and now we need to put it back together again. Like, the first responders picked up all the puzzle pieces, you know, made sure that they were all safe. Um, and now we need to sit down and put the puzzle back together. That was like a really, really bad analogy, but we're going to roll with it. Cause I, I'm going to roll with it. That's what I said. <laughs> and so it was really cool. Um, and this report, just the introduction has a lot of like really personal stories about things that the, um, president of the ALA noticed. Um, what I love, um, he talks also about social justice and that libraries as centers for engagement and community dialogue came into sharper focus, that, you know, libraries are allowing us access to information and that um, the John Brown Watson Memorial Library at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, which is historically black university, takes its role, like, t- you know, preserved history that's not always visible in white institutions. Um just a lot of like awesome work that libraries have been doing to um, engage people in that way and educate others and about and he also talks about how like school librarians and just libraries in general really worked their asses off to support like remote learning. I know that my library even had like um really cool they like they offer like wi-fi hotspots for people to, like pick up and like borrow and like I don't know it's so cool um what I also love about this report that they do is that they talk about censorship (laughs) and so we have censorship books like the books that were censored and so um the American Library Association tracked 156 challenges to library school and university materials and services in 2020 what they can so a challenge so the top 10 most challenged books these are books so a challenge is basically in like attempting to remove or restrict materials or services based on content so there were 273 books targeted in 2020 like challenged people were trying to censor them in some way um 
and I don't know how much you guys are into like banned books or censored books, but um, basically, like some people would make a point to read banned books, and I can honestly say that like there are books on this list that I have read like I have so the number one book was called George and it was challenged banned and restricted for LGBTQIA plus content conflicting with a religious viewpoint and not reflecting the values of our community the number one book that was trying to be censored was an LG like a queer book with queer content (sighs) then you have the next one is stamped racism anti-racism in you And basically that one, it says, banned and challenged because of author's public statements and because of claims that the book contains selective storytelling incidents and does not encompass racism against all people. Um, like a lot of these, so many of these are about race. (laughs) Like in the top 10 list is the hate you give. By Angie Thomas. That was an incredible book. An incredible movie. Like. I. <laughs> it's it's just so important. To like really realize. People are out here trying to. Challenge these books. Trying to get them. Um, censored. And the reason. So they have reasons for the challenges. And they have it in one of those like word bubble things. That if whatever comes up the most like each word is like bigger that's you know so reasons that books are trying to be censored black lives matter racial slurs makes sense but whatever books try to get challenged for glorifying gay marriage extremely liberal (laughs) the biggest word in this whole thing lgbtqia other things say racist political viewpoint emphasis on social justice people are trying to censor books because they have an emphasis on social justice um other things say satanic propaganda classist sex education um it's just crazy um it's just it's just crazy 50% of the challenges initiated are parents. Only 1% are students. (laughs) If you don't want your kid reading it, just don't let them read it. I don't know what to tell you. Don't censor it. (laughs) Sorry. Educate your kid. I don't know what to fucking tell you. (laughs) Um. So, yeah. Also, so what's cool about the corona, like, about what the library did during COVID is that, like, libraries did so much about distributing materials, like craft supplies, um, STEM kits, just supporting distance learning, boosting technology, um, just a lot of lending out. They had curbside pickup, um, some of them did, and then there's a whole section about, like, college research and school library that proved resilient. There's a whole bunch of stuff about um, policy, excuse me, I have hiccups, policy, federal funding, legislation, which was cool. And what awesome, like, I love to see. So we had the COVID aid relief and economic security, so the CARES Act, and that included $50 million for the Institute of Museum and Library Services, which distributed the funds to states, helping states and territories expand digital network access. Um, and... There's actually, there was like a, the Congress acts to support libraries. Um, and in December for the eighth consecutive year, Congress increased appropriations to the IMLS. The IMLS is the Institute of Museum and Library Services. And basically they were like, yes, let's give more money to libraries, which is so awesome. Cause like, <sighs> we don't often see more money being put into services like this. Um, like, it's so important for education. It's so, so important for... We talk about, like, how little money goes into, like, um, education. It's so nice to see that this one sect, this one sector is having a lot of money go into it. 
Um, there is so much more I could talk about, and I wasted so much time talking about my MLM ordeal. Um, but this it's just a pretty cool report. Libraries are cool, but I, I'm just gonna say go to the library. Like, go to your library, read, learn stuff, have fun. Just it's good for your brain. Like, truly reading. In reading a number of different topics, reading fiction, nonfiction, reading things that you're not necessarily in your field. You know, if you're a, a humanities person, read books in, you know, STEM and read books in math. Like, it's so, so good for you. It's truly so good for you, for your brain, for your cognition, for your health. Like, I, I, I cannot just say go for it enough. Like, go for it so much more. It is so fun. And libraries have like dvds too did i watch my big fat greek wedding too on dvd from the library yes did i turn it in over a month late yes um did i have a 25 dollar fine yeah but it waived because of covid so <laughs> um no i actually was fully gonna pay that and more because i was like i must i must support the library um i don't mind when i have late fees for the library because i want to give them money <laughs> if if you enjoyed this episode please share with your friends rate review subscribe share follow all of that jazz follow me on social media um i posted on instagram guys did you notice um i did it's awesome right So, yeah, thank you so much. This was fun. This was fun to just be like, wow, I didn't know that. Like, following, like, the whole Library of Alexandria thing was pretty cool. Like, I did enjoy that one a lot. So, um, I maybe I won't have a book-related <laughs> next next week. Should not be book-related, I'm hoping. I'm hoping to talk about Aristotle. You know what? Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? I need to have, I need to get an environment one in there soon. Because I have a lot of environmental stuff I want to talk about. We'll see where my brain takes me this week. Who freaking knows? But thank you so much, my bean pod. You are the dearest, bestest group. I was looking at my statistics, my analytics on Anchor the other day, and I only have 74% of my audience is from America. So I just want to say shout out to my non-American listeners. Um, 3% are from Germany. Hello. Hello awesome. I'm so glad to know you. Um, Anchor did tell me that 100% of my listeners are from Earth and zero are from all the other planets. It shows that. <laughs> um, in the U.S., only a quarter of mine are from Michigan, which is surprising because that's where I am. Like, or only a quarter of my listeners are in Michigan, which is interesting because I live in Michigan and all my friends live in Michigan, minus like four, you know? So what I'm hearing is that I have fans who aren't my friends and I, who aren't my like friends I know in real life. And I just want to say hi. Thank you so much for listening. Whoever lives in Clif Clifton, New Jersey, I love you. Um, because New Jersey is, hold on, my next highest, my next highest state and almost all of my listens come from Clifton, New Jersey. So shout out to you. It looks like I have more regular like listeners. Um, so yeah, I'm so happy to have you in my bean pod. It's, it's crazy over here, isn't it? Alrighty. Well, I'm going to see you next week. Go read All We Can Save. And we'll talk about in October. Oh, and about the book. I didn't even finish this. So basically, I'm my book club. <laughs> if you have thoughts and you want to contribute them to the podcast, you can email me. You can send me a voice message on Anchor. And basically, if you want to contact me, check out my link tree. My link tree has all you can DM me to. And like your comments, I will read or play on the podcast episode. Um, but check out my link tree. Um, it should be, it'll be in the show notes. So check out my link tree and that will link you to my podcast Twitter, my podcast, my podcast Instagram. It'll link you to a bunch of places that you can buy books that are not Barnes and Noble. Don't buy your books from Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Um, it'll link you to thrift books, um, better world books and bookshop.org. Do bookshop.org. Um, they're hardcover or out of stock right now, but you can get their softcover. Um, for all we can save. 
um, or go to your library. So go get those books. Check out all that. If you want to know where to buy the books, check out my link tree. Um, if you want to take action for the climate, check out my link tree. I'm working on getting up some links to take action against the abortion bills. Um, especially because we got that text message during the middle of this about um, overturning Roe v. Wade. So have fun. I love y'all. Peace out. Have a good week. I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Bye.